Welcome back to the Unregulated Podcast. This is episode number 163 on Friday, January 5th, the first episode of 2024. Happy New Year to everybody. I'm your co-host, Tom Pyle. And I'm your technologically challenged co-host, Mike McKenna. Welcome to 2024, Mr. McKenna. How are you other than being in a secure, undisclosed location that we cannot discuss? I'm actually pretty good. Good to be out here. You know, out in nature, all that stuff. Nature. Et cetera, et cetera. cetera. Nature, goulet. Well, we will not have clips today because we neither of us are, are remotely confident in our recording technology for this episode, but we did not want to start the new year without giving our audience and our fans another dose of the unregulated podcast. So uh, I am going to go right into this day in history, unless you have any announcements. No, go ahead. well, actually I do have one, two announcements, um, two announcements. One, um, a friend of mine uh, recently celebrated an anniversary uh, with her um, very good male friend and uh and it was uh, it was her 10th anniversary it was an important day in her life and i'm very um grateful that she um i'm very grateful that she had that chance so that's I, that's that's announcement number one how about that for how about that for anonymizing that is that? first <laughs> being very specific there very good i was gonna, I was gonna say um the other thing is i gotta say congratulations to my nephew brian um, Brian McKenna, who finally got engaged to the girl he's been dating for like six years. Um, so two things. First off, you're a loser because it took you so long. I don't understand what the weight was all about. She's the best you're going to get, so just move on. And then uh, two is, please, 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 for the love of God, start buying shirts and for the wedding, buy a suit larger than you have now because your shoot your clothes are too tight because you got big ever since you got back from 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 the war. So congratulations to my nephew. As you can tell, I, I I think quite highly of him. He's a very good kid, but he does need a debtor tailor. There's no doubt about that. He finally and, he finally wore her his his beloved down. Huh? She finally relented. Tom, this is the most ridiculous thing. She's just a, she's just a uh, attractive, accomplished, uh, polished human being. She's an art curator. She curates art for rich folks. She's like I said, she's attractive and polished and educated and cultured. And he's just, he's like me. He's just a big galant, except he's like, there's another, just imagine me if there was another foot of me. He's a foot taller than I am. It's the same thing, right? He's just a big old galant. I'm like, dude, the first time I met her was six, seven years ago. I'm like, waste no time on this one. Pull the trigger. So I'm glad, I'm glad, I'm glad it's getting done. The The other thing is, I wanted to wish happy trails to Wayne LaPierre. Um, oh, is he is he out? That it, it it hit literally ten minutes ago that he has stepped down as the head of the NRA. It was it was bound to come. It, I feel like it was heading in that direction for a while there. So, to be honest with you, I thought he was already gone. Yeah, you haven't heard much from the NRA lately, but uh, usually during during uh, times of democratic control of the presidency, they're they're sort of front and center, but kind of been going through their 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 growing they're growing through their internal machinations so yeah all right well uh this day in history uh probably 
you'll probably get this one actually because you're smart in these things in 1531 thanks for the pressure this happened in 1531 i'll give you a, a hint it happened across the pond well, it was yeah. a fairly it was a fairly uh, uh monumental event in the history of of the established roman catholic church no uh, this was henry breaking away from rome Pope Clement VII forbids King Henry VIII from remarrying. Yeah, remarrying, yeah. yeah. Which, of course, set a uh, a, a course uh, a chain of events that led to the um, excommunication of the king, who then said, "Okay, fine. Well, I'm just going to take my own religion, and you can shove yours, so that he could marry the, his beloved infatuation Anne Boleyn." And now we have the Church of England. Yeah, well, I mean, for the for the thirty-seven people who still go to the Church of England, it's a, yeah, it's a big day. So, so heck, you know, try to try to restrain yourself on the celebration. Okay, in this day in seventeen eighty-one, and I actually didn't know this about this individual until my research. This was uh, something that occurred in seventeen eighty-one. Seventeen eighty-one, January fifth, seventeen eighty-one. Yes. Hmm. Uh, Benedict Arnold uh, gives up West Point. Now you're really close. That's uh, really impressive, by the way, that you had Benedict Arnold in this. This is when he captured and destroyed Richmond. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was in, he was he was already he was already doing that by the time by this time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and his American his, traitor and British brigadier general. Benedict Arnold enjoys his greatest success as a British commander, where he he and his 1,600 loyalist troops sailed up the James River, landed in Westover, and basically bowled over Governor Jefferson's uh, uh, beloved Richmond and uh, basically had a major victory for the British. I didn't know he... I knew that he got some sort of title, but I didn't know that he actually went out and started fighting against, not only did he trade, was he a traitor, but he went out and killed Americans. So. Yeah. Yeah. It, um, his counter, his, 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 his adversary on that campaign was the Marquis de Lafayette. And they, they, um, the place where Benedict Arnold landed is now a golf course. Shocker. <laughs> Anyway, this was I and and also it was a kind of a embarrassing moment for then Governor Thomas Jefferson. So you know what 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 is it with these people burning Richmond? I mean, the the, the, the Anglicans and the Unionists. What what gives you guys? Just leave us alone, man. <laughs> Don't tread on me. In 1920, this happened. Oh, uh. The 19th Amendment became operative. No, this was here in the United States. This was the day that um, the New York Yankees announced the purchase of George Babe, Ruth, Ruth, yeah. Babe Ruth's contract for a hefty sum of $125,000 plus $300,000 loan that the owner of the Red Sox plowed into his um, Broadway production interests. Um, and of course, the that turned out to be a pretty bad move for the Boston Red Sox given that Babe Ruth went on to uh, shatter 
uh, many and many records. Uh, so that was this day. And there's one more. Mm-hmm. And I think we had this one. I feel like we had this one because I think we play a song intro in 1998. Oh, I I don't know. Salvatore Philip Sonny Bono. Oh, died. Was yeah. killed in a skiing accident. Oh boy, was that really twenty five years ago? Yeah, man, it was twenty five years ago. Isn't that crazy? It is insane. So you know, Bono, of course, uh, became a mayor of Palm Springs because he got annoyed because he couldn't get a bunch of permits. Which, by the way, is kind of like. The way the founders envisioned it, right? It's like <laughs> you're like a regular guy, and you get like it was like Clint Eastwood. I think he got annoyed annoyed about something as well and became mayor. So it's like John Hickenlooper. It's exactly like Hickenlooper. Right, right, you know, right. you're bartender, bar owner, annoyed about permitting, runs for city council, runs for mayor, runs for governor. Anyhow, think at, I think at a certain point you just be like, okay, I think I I think I made my point here. I do want to. Uh, I also was recently. I, I thought. I thought of this uh, as I as I was doing my research. A friend of mine named Frank Cullen, who used to work for Sonny Bono, is. Um, uh, I recently bumped into him over the holidays, and we we spent a fair amount of time reminiscing. So it was good to catch up with Frank. So that's it for this day in history. We can move on. Let's start with uh, the negotiations, shall we? I got to be honest with you. A day day in history that includes Benedict Arnold. Um, King, you know Henry the Fifth, and um, and Sonny Bono. That's a pretty that's a pretty weird day in history, right there. <laughs> uh, negotiations on which the the border thing or everything, thing? everything. Yes, yes. Yeah. So uh, a lot of my a lot of this uh, uh, straight talk is from Punchbowl News, but I have a little insider intel as well. Apparently, Speaker Mike Johnson is now going to be negotiating directly with the white house on the border issue uh which is making people happy and not so happy uh at the same time which of course uh you know the line in the sand for some some of the republicans is hr2 um but the feeling uh in town is that uh the republicans and you you sort of insinuated uh, uh this very recently and we lamented about how that you know uh, how quickly and easily they squander this but the white house is now even recognizing this is my insider information that the republicans have leverage on this immigration issue go figure yeah i mean it's uh, like i said the deal the, the deal the border security thing is not a um part of the deal it's an admission fee it's what you pay to get in yeah and that's just that you know the, the and if you know if you're a Republican, you're going to have to eat the Ukrainian thing, and if you're a Democrat, you're going to have to eat the Israeli part of it. And the funny thing is, the White House probably should just save its save its save its time because they're not going to get. I don't think they're going to get 60 votes in the Senate to to take the to give the Israelis money. I think that's that's getting too toxic. Well, I don't know if we're at that point yet, but it is interesting too that. Separately, Johnson is now negotiating or dealing with Chuck Schumer on uh, and Democrats on the funding levels as well, on the 2024 funding levels, which, of course, um, is also a nod to the fact that they're running up against those hard caps that we talked about. So 
I don't know if they listen to the podcast <laughs> um, or this guy is just, you know, I'm, really I'm, like he's, he's, you know, we'll see. Like as with everything in Washington, uh, nothing is done until it's done. But I am by the day I keep um, my, my um, impress, uh, my, he's impressing me by the day, the speaker this 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 gentleman i i can i can confirm for you that there are at least three people in the speaker's office three relatively senior staffers in the speaker's office who listen to this podcast well keep on listening and keep on trucking you guys uh i'm really impressed with what what uh i'm reading and what i'm hearing uh between the lines so we'll see what happens here but it looks like um you know not a lot happened uh, physically, not a lot, you know, members are still kind of, you know, going to trickle in, I guess, in earnest next week. But it sounds to me like the as slim a majority, and we'll get into uh, it and in getting even slimmer, as the House Republicans have, the issues are giving them leverage. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, the immigration, right, border security, administration is just is terrible, right? They're 30 points underwater with the with the public right it's a bad place to be he needs to put some kind of band-aid on it he knows yeah. that he knows that you know the only question is is the republicans going to want to do something or they just don't want the issue I, I there's no reason to take a bad a bad offer here because the issue is probably better than the deal so you know it it i think they should drive really hard yeah absolutely we we need we need some i mean this is a real this is a real crisis. It's not like a, a political, you know, politically fabricated crisis. So um, it might be politically induced, but it's certainly not uh, at the, the point at the level that we've seen what's happening at the border. Uh, this has to be, we have to get some progress on this. Yeah. So. Uh, you know, I, it, it, the great thing and the terrible thing is all they're the same thing. Um, no matter what we do, we're going to keep having this problem, you know, and we're going to keep having this problem until, until we get, you know, E-Verified done. So that's just that. Yeah. And then, you know, that's what concerns me about the deal. I haven't heard anybody talking about E-Verify. I'm like, we need a national E-Verify. We just do. Anyway. All right. Um, jobs report came out today. Did you see this? 216,000. 216,000, much better than expected. The the projection, the estimate was 170,000. Uh, unemployment held firm at 3.7%. But here's the, the kicker. The net gain, the, 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 the 52,000 of the jobs were government jobs. Yeah. You know, our, our friends over at the Committee to Unleash Prosperity have been doing a great sequence on this. I think they've concluded that like some like one out of every three new jobs in the last 18 months have been government jobs. Yeah. That's not good. Bidenomics. Bidenomics at, at work. Dig right. a ditch. Dig a ditch, fill a ditch. If, if you think about it, it's genius, right? Because it, it lets them fill the ranks of their side and makes it look like there's some progress going on, even when there may not be progress going on. Exactly. I, I, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if these guys should be um, 
you know, arrested or given some kind of Nobel Prize for, for governance because they, they, they think about things in ways that we don't think about things. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not going to give him that much credit uh, yet. So anyhow, um, the uh, 38,000 also of those jobs came in the health-related fields like ambulatory care, health services, and hospitals. So fully 80,000, you know, 85, 90,000 of those were from two sectors. Yeah, yeah, a little bit, a little bit north of the third. Um. And then there, uh, another one, another one bit the dust this week, although she didn't really, uh, and she didn't really learn anything apparently, but Claudine Gay has resigned from her seat as Harvard University's president. This uh, is, this source is from ABC News. The forces behind Harvard president Claudine Gay's resignation. Of course, she, uh, not only did she not apologize, but she said the campaign against me was about more than one university and one leader. This was merely a single skirmish in a broader war to unravel public faiths and pillars of American society. Campaigns of this kind often start with attacks on education and expertise because these are the tools that best equip communities to see through propaganda. It's not lost on me that I make an ideal canvas for projecting every anxiety about the generational and demographic changes unfolding on American campuses. A black woman selected to lead a storied institution, unquote. You know, I, I just get so tired when I hear that talk, that, 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 that faux Marxist nonsense. Just, it, look... I don't really care who's the president at Harvard. It doesn't make any difference in my life. I mean, I think it's fun to watch the Harvard weenies like Bill Ackman all squirm around on it. But the bottom line is, is that this lady was a mediocre, at best, academic. She should have been a, probably an adjunct professor at, you know, Sam Houston State, not president of Harvard. She had no real academic um, scholar, she had no scholarship achievements to to her credit. She had no publication cre credits to her, you know, publication uh, to her credit. You know, she, she's a non-entity essentially, and she got the job because of um, her demographic characteristics. The DEI hire, yeah, you know, it's not it's not terribly different than Liz McGill at Penn. I mean, you know, Liz, you look at Liz, you look at the academic, the scholarly work of her lifetime. In no way does it suggest she should be running anything. Bill Ackman, who I've now taken the reading on it religiously because I think it's funny because I'm watching a lifetime liberal wake up to realize, wait a minute, we might have been wrong. Yeah, Bill um, Ackman, just for our our audience, uh, is a hedge fund billionaire and Harvard alum who, like Mike has mentioned in the past, was shocked, shocked that there's anti-Semitism on the campus. Yeah, so, so Bill, this is worth knowing. So Bill ran like this 4,000 word Twitter thing, you know, thing on Twitter like last night or day yesterday about all of it, right? About how he looked into it and he realized DEI was a scam and a sham and Harvard was part of it and blah, blah, blah. And through all of it, I'm just like, it's seriously like, it was like reading a blind man describing the sky. <laughs> 
be like, dude, just look up. I mean, yeah. it, 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 you've been living, you've been living here for 60 years, Bill. What, what, you know, you're just noticing now that the king doesn't have any clothes. Yeah. Well, but, I'm, but I'm grateful. I like converts. I, I like converts. Bill's a convert. But, but this Claudine Gay thing, it was just, she's like, I'm getting tossed because of racism. You're getting tossed because you're hopeless and incompetent and a plagiarist. Well, probably. yes, but she's not. Uh, she will retain a post as an academic at the university. And she will be receiving a pay cut. So yeah. instead of a million dollars a year, Mike, she's going to get a measly $900,000 a year to remain on the payroll at Harvard University. Yeah. So. I saw that was I saw that was reported. Is that right? Is that I mean? Are we I've sure? seen it. Rep I mean, I, I don't believe everything we see or hear, but that's what is being reported. So yeah, we got to we got to confirm that because I I can't think of a professor. It says here she will continue her work as a professor uh, in this ABC News post, and I, in my research, I saw in a couple places that her her salary was going to be yeah. You know, I saw it too. I saw it too. I just I, I I don't know any professors who make nine hundred thousand bucks. Although I don't know, maybe, maybe I do want to say it. this too, though, and and I I think you'll agree with me. The whole article goes into sort of the play, play, the blow by blow of the the hearing with Stefanik, who by the way is a Harvard alum, um, and she said she fell into a well laid trap and made the mistake of failing to clearly articulate that calls for a genocide of Jewish people are abhorrent and unacceptable, and I would use every tool at my disposal to protect students from that kind of hate. Then why didn't she just do that and say that at the hearing? <laughs> I was going to say. Should you, one word answer would have solved all of these problems. One word gonna, answer. I was going to say, look, I, you know, genocide, calls for genocide are out of bounds and terrible, but we are running a university, so... You know, the funny thing is the guys who really should get fired, the guys who should be shot out. Wilmer of Hale, is that who they Wilmer, were? Wilmer Hale, yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, whoever those lobbyists were, whoever those lawyers were, they they should they should resign in shame. Because a, a, a simple question, easy to predict, right? You knew it was common. Yeah. And, and, and the correct answer is also easy. I mean, this is not complicated stuff. I, I'm, if anybody out there listening hires Wilmer Hale to help them with a hearing again, you deserve what you get. All right. So we're, we're probably going to get sued now for defamation or some such thing. I'm looking forward to that lawsuit. Yeah. We I've been threatened by a, a different Perkins. Coey has threatened me a couple of times on some ads that I put out. So um, dark Brandon will be kicking off his campaign this evening. Uh, this is from, uh, I got two sources. I got Reuters and, um, well, I'll just read from the Reuters. President Biden to sharpen attack on Trump in January 6th anniversary speech. Uh, with uh, it will mark the anniversary with a political speech the, the day before to make the case that Republican Donald Trump poses an existential threat to democracy. Biden's re-election campaign said on Wednesday he will speak tonight at today near Valley Forge where George Washington established headquarters during the Revolutionary War. Biden will then follow the Friday visit with a campaign stop on Monday at Mother Emanuel AME in Charleston uh, where white supremacists in 2015 killed nine parishioners uh, 
This uh, is being billed by the campaign as his campaign kickoff. And this will be his, apparently his running theme between now and uh, election day, November. So, yeah, well, I mean, it's, you know, what else is he going to run on, right? He's, you know, he can't really run on the foreign policy, can't run on the border, can't run on crime, can't really run on the economy yet. Maybe he can in six or eight months. Um, yeah, so he's going to run on, I'm, I'm the American. Those guys are the fascists. Um, those guys are the racists and the fascists. I'm a little concerned. I, ever since they announced this Valley Forge thing, I've been, I've been un, uneasy with it, right? It, as uneasy as I was when he did Fort McHenry in the last campaign, I, this is just not, you shouldn't use these kind of places as backdrops for your own petty, petty political purposes. You know, Valley Forge, McHenry, Gettysburg, these are places that have some some, some sacredness to them. I, I, I'm intensely uncomfortable with anybody using them for political purposes, and especially a goon and an instigator like, like Mr. Biden. The choice for the voters next year will not simply be between competing philosophies of governing. No, not this nonsense again. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm not going to read it. Go ahead. The choice, the choice is be for American people in November will be about protecting our democracy. The every American's fundamental freedoms, said Biden campaign manager Julie Chavez Rodriguez. So, yeah, but nothing yeah. says nothing says protecting democracy more than throwing people in jail who who are the who are the opposition party. Yeah, that's, so that's, that's 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 how we defend democracy. Now we disqualify from ballots and we throw guys in jail who who oppose us. Welcome to the uh, presidential campaign is now officially in full 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 um full run here. We're we're. We're live, as as we like to say. It's going to be the greatest campaign of our lives. It's going to be the most important election. <laughs> the ever. most the most consequential election of our lifetime. I've been hearing that now for two decades. <laughs> and you're still waiting for one of them to like actually live up to the hype, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. I I remember. I think it was like Bush Carey. <laughs> yeah. No, all the yeah. Time. That was good. Or like Romney Obama, right? So anyway, um, okay, so look, the uh, speaker, although I wish him luck and, and hope that he's extremely successful, is continuing to lose leverage uh, from the from this perspective of the um, size of the Republican majority. This is from Axios uh, Congressman Bill Johnson, a good friend of our of the, of us and the energy uh, freedom uh, in uh, movement or or agenda is planning a early departure to become president of Youngstown State University, uh, which means the Republicans will be down yet another vote. Uh, will be down to two nineteen to Democrats two thirteen. Once he leaves, uh, which is Monday, yes, on the twenty first of January. Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought he was leaving Monday. No, he'll be here till the 21st and he will start at the university the next day. He does not waste any time that that Congressman Johnson. So I think it's good. I think it's healthy. I hate to say that. I hate to lose him. I hated to lose Ben Sass. But I think it's great that the universities are 
are taking Republicans as leaders. I think it's great Republicans are going to universities as leaders. I, I, you know, we always talk about how academia is stacked against us, and it's true. Um, and this is the way that it gets unstacked. I, I think it's very healthy for everybody. I, I, I agree with you. And I think it's good that people leave Congress for other things in yeah. the sector that are constructive and add value to society. I, I, you know, I'm going to throw a name out at you. And, and you know, you know this, you remember this. Um, Bill Gray. You remember Bill Gray? I vaguely, yes. I remember yeah. the name, but I don't remember what he did. Bill, Bill Gray was a congressman from Philadelphia, Democrat. He was climbing the ladder. He was going to be, you know, whip. This was back late 80s, I guess. He was going to be whip. Um, woke up one morning and quit and I think went, went to run the United Negro College Fund. Because he, he was just like, I think I could do more good there. Yeah. And, and I was just like, and at the time, everybody in D.C. was like, oh, my God, I, I thought to myself, that guy's probably smarter than us. That guy's probably smarter than us. Well, uh, not only is um, Congressman Johnson leaving, but there were two additional retirement announcements uh, very recently. These guys, I believe, are going to stick around till the end of the uh, of the session. But Doug Lamborn is leaving us. Really? Yeah, that's hot off the presses. So uh, Doug Lamborn announced that he is uh, resigning. And then also um, Luke Luke Meyer. Oh, yeah, Bill Luke Meyer. Bill Luke Meyer is, is also uh, announced his resignation as well. So yeah, uh, the, the Lamborn uh, retirement means that they're, the, the entire Republican delegation is flushed out. Really? Yeah. Okay. So, uh, yeah. So they're they're going to be a whole new uh, every everyone's going to be new, with the exception of maybe Bobert if she like squeaks out the yeah the primary. So yeah, that's interesting. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, Lugemeyer was um, he wanted to he wanted to run financial services when he didn't get it uh, this go around. I figured he was a short timer. The funny thing Lamborn. is, is that the funny thing is, Pat McHenry's leaving too. So, Lamborn said, "I'm not getting any younger. Yeah, I want to look, look for opportunities to do good." And uh, so, Doug High, uh, who, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, Doug and I have a long history, and uh, he, this is—I have to give him credit for this. this. Is a good quote. What's significant in these numbers? He's referring to retirements. Uh, these aren't members leaving before a wave election like animals fleeing before the earthquake. These are exhausted people leaving an unhappy workplace. <laughs> so it's got a point. It's been a little bit of a weird year. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, I'm not sure I completely agree with that. I think, I, I think at the end of the day, we're going to have like 40 retirements, and that's about what we've been averaging for like the last six or seven cycles, 10 cycles. We've been averaging about 38, 38 retirements, right? That, that's, that's how people leave now. Nobody gets, yeah. beat, nobody gets beaten anymore. That's yeah, how they, because- That's, that's right. how they leave, yeah. So, you know- As you incumbency, just, yeah. Yeah, you just, you just, you wake up one morning and say, you know, I'm 63 years old. I got 10 useful years. I'm not spending them here. You know, it, it, that used to be the function taken, you know, carried out by your opponent in an election. I was going to say, yeah. 
the, the, the election used to have a way of sorting out people, but yeah. since the districts are so, uh, uh, you know, plus yeah. R plus D so few like legitimately swing swingy districts, then you're right. It's like these guys leave on their own accord. Uh, and then we have an election. Speaking of which redistricting is sort of, looks like it's sort of turning out into a little bit of a wash. I don't know if you've been following, but I think the Democrats are going to pick up a, a seat in, I think we talked about it, Alabama. Um, they might, I can't, there was one other state where they just announced that they have to redraw the lines, but then South Carolina is going to be like a plus three swing for ours. So uh, the, the big, it's all going to come down. It looks like it's all going to come down to New York state. Yeah, that's and that's that's what I that's what I think too, right? It's, everywhere else is pretty much big. It's New York that we're where where there's still gonna be an open question. And I'm not lying awake at night worrying about those three or four guys in New York. I think it's you know, best you're gonna be able to do is draw one of them out. Um yeah. you never can really tell. I mean, look, it's a it's a it's a testament to how many competing interests are now looking at these lines, right? Yeah, you, know, you have your state legislatures, governors, state courts, federal courts, justice. You know, it's just it's, it's very difficult to gain too much of an advantage by drawing the line too too well, ridiculously. Uh, back in the day, you know, you remember my old boss. He uh, he kind of kind of started this whole ball rolling with uh, redistricting. He he got way ahead of the Texas cycle that one year and yeah, kind of set the set this up for better or worse. So. I'm I'm going to go with worse. Yeah. Now, even when that was going on, I remember thinking this is a bad precedent. Yeah. Now you know everybody's going to do it. Yeah. And there and here we are. Everyone's doing it. It's ridiculous. I mean, back. Can I? I'm going to I'm going to be an old guy here for a second. Back in back, back in, in the, the back in the, the day, even back in in the in the eighties. <laughs> back in the good old days, you would have census. And then you would like redistrict in the first legislative session after the census, and that would be it. You wouldn't have to think about it for 10 years. Now, however, the census is a political thing, and redistricting is an every year thing. Yeah. Not, not healthy. Um, okay, so we're still cooking with gas, Mr. <laughs> McKenna. <laughs> yes. This is from Smart Cities Dive. Federal court won't reconsider decision to overturn Berkeley, California natural gas ban. If the city wants to continue to appeal, its next stop will be the U.S. Supreme Court. So the Ninth Circuit will not reconsider its decision to overturn Berkeley's first-in-the-nation ban on natural gas hookups and new construction. A three-judge panel of the federal appeals court struck down their ordinance in April agreeing with California restaurant owners that the city overstepped the, the Federal Energy and Policy Con Conservation Act, EPCA, when it passed the ban in 2019. Yeah, it's um, it's been kind of a bad, it's been bad for a while um, for the for the for these guys. They, for the bad guys. Yeah, yeah, for the bad guys. Yeah, it, it, somebody should somebody should track down the somebody should track down the. Richard Trumka and and thank him. We should throw him some kind of party. Yeah, absolutely, Richard. You're you. We invite you to come on the podcast. Because you know this this was going along until he opened his big trap, and and then all of a sudden it lit up fire. The other guy, the other guy who who deserves a lot of credit here, 
Um, Steve Everly. I knew it. I knew you were going to say that. We shouldn't talk too much about it, though. <laughs> no, we shouldn't. But I mean, the truth of the matter is, is that you know, you know Steve Steve is a, has been an attack dog, a pit bull on this thing. He's gotten a hold of it. He hasn't let it go. Yeah, you know, it, it it it's been it's been. Yeah. Well, you know, also it's we talked about this too. You know, the Greens when when they were attacking the independent uh, uh, IOUs, when they were attacking the oil and gas guys, when they're attacking the LNG guys, when they're attacking the the companies themselves, people don't feel that. They don't recognize the pain that they uh, that ultimately trickles down to them. But then they were like. They weren't patient enough. They're like, you know what? You people aren't towing the line quickly enough. So we're just going to ban your shit. Well, you know, the other thing is it makes it. It makes it. um, Abundantly clear. As as George Will might say, it makes it condign that. um, That. That it's going to be next to impossible to ban cars. Well, yeah. Yeah, I agree. It, it, it just is, right? I mean, you if you can't ban a gas stove, you know, which which there are a perfectly acceptable alternatives. I mean, I, I don't really care gas or electric, whatever. It, it cooks the food, right? Um, if you can't ban gas stoves, if you can't ban gas um, heaters or water heaters, no way in hell you're going to be able to ban cars. Yeah, but you know there are ways around that. Is oh, they're going to don't get me wrong. They're going to try. They're going to try. The thing about the the thing about the left in this country, at least, is they never give up. They're nope. going to try. Talk about uh, pit bulls. They're yeah, the pit bulls. Yeah, you know, and 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 we are going to be the Steve Everly of that of that exercise. So, um, all right. So this was also this was speaking of cars. This was fascinating. Uh, this is from your Washington Times, who is a co-sponsor here of the Unregulated Podcast, um, Ramsey. Yeah, too Yep. The most voters want Virginia ban on gas-powered cars to be repealed, poll shows. The majority of Virginia voters say they want state lawmakers to repeal an EV mandate that would ban the sales of new gas uh, vehicles by 2035. The survey was conducted by Mason Dixon polling. Uh, 57% of respondents want the Virginia General Assembly to repeal the law, while 30% were opposed and 13% were unsure. Of course, uh, folks know already, I assume, that Virginia uh, basically endorsed California's gas ban under Governor Northam. And, you know, during the last election, uh, Governor um, Youngkin made a case, a strong case to say, flip the legislature so we can kill this gas ban. Well, it may not be, well, it may or may not be necessary to flip the legislature. Every region, every party, and every demographic, the repeal was a uh, was higher than, than oppose. Like across the board the the majority supported repeal across the entire um spectrum of the survey yeah yeah i i, I you know I, I read that survey i'm not surprised at all it it, it um the, the the you know our experience and our survey work suggests that that um that once people hear about this idea they hate it 
you know, the only, the only, the only people who are like, okay with it are people who don't really know anything about it. You know, Hey, do you think we should all have electric vehicles? Sure. Do you think you should take, you know, you know, take your gas powered car away? No. Do you think you should not have any choice in the matter? No. Did um, you know that the federal government wanted to? What? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, and that, and that's what we get. That's what you mean. You're talking to people. You get a, you get it. That's, are you sure that doesn't sound right? Well, to your point, uh, in, in the poll, the voters were roughly split over whether they were aware or unaware of the regulation, right? And that's what all these legislatures in these blue states are doing is they're they're not putting this up to the to, to the legislatures. They're running these obscure like air resources boards and all this other garbage. New Mexico did the same thing, New Jersey, because they don't want to face the voters on this issue. And if if people aren't talking about it, nobody knows it's actually happening. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You know, it, 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 like you said, it's a it's a it's a bureaucratic play now. But you're not going to just be able to do that on a bureaucratic basis indefinitely. Eventually, you're going to have to have somebody vote on something. And we've talked about this before, right? We're going to start voting on this stuff. That, that's the real risk of a Republican Congress and a Republican president is you're going to vote on all this stuff. Net zero, car ban. And all this other hoorah, and you know it's going to get it's going to get blown up. I, yeah. I don't I don't quite understand. This is the part I don't understand. I don't understand how the how the the left imagines they're going to sneak this through. This, yeah. is, this, this is not a ban on gas stoves. This is this is a ban on cars, which approximately everybody in the United States cares about. Absolutely, yeah, it's I, like, this is like. This is like the best issue in the world, right? For I, if you're for freedom, you know, it, it, it's like how long have we been waiting for this? You know, it, it's just it's incomprehensible. I don't I don't understand where how they think this turns out. I'm like, there's no happy ending here. It's not like people are like, you know what? You were right. I really do want you to tell me what to do. It's just, <laughs> I, I, it's so That's weird. Like it's, Ask my kids how they feel about us telling them what. Right, exactly. It's just my, so my teenagers now, which, golly, having three teen three children just pop into the teenage years is just wow. It's so, all good for it. It's all good. Yeah, it's making a young man out of me. Um, so a prominent uh, quote in the article was: "Consumers in Virginia families, not government, should be the ones deciding what vehicles best meet their needs and budgets." Wow. Sounds like the Save Our Cars Coalition. I was going to say, I wish we had, I wish we had thought of that. All right. Um, I'll tell you who else is having a bad week. Another bad week. Offshore wind. That's who. Boy, yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is, uh, uh, again, from Reuters. I got a lot from Reuters this week. Equinor and BP cancel contract to sell offshore wind power to New York. European energy firms... Equinor and BP terminated their agreement to sell power from their proposed Empire Wind to offshore wind farm, citing rising inflation, higher borrowing costs, and supply chain issues. This agreement reflects changed economic circumstances on an industry-wide scale and repositions an already mature project to continue development in anticipation of new offtake opportunities. The solicitation allows companies to exit old contracts and reoffer projects at higher prices. So yeah. it, it, it um, the last 12 months, really the last six months have been a great example of what I, what I preach to everybody. And that's this don't ever, ever, ever 
imagine that government action is going to save you. And if you if you if you had asked the renewable energy community, the alternative energy community, hey, like in the wake of the Inflation Reduction Act, like, hey, how are things going to go in the next two years? They'd be like, it's going to be great. We're going to make a bunch of money, and everyone's going to build stuff, and blah 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 blah. And here's what we got. Here's what we got. We have gotten ourselves a bunch of offshore wind projects canceled. We have got ourselves exactly one electric vehicle charging station built by um, federal dollars. We've got ourselves a, I don't wanna say a growing catastrophe in electric vehicles, but if we have ourselves a growing problem with electric vehicles, we have no electric transmission built. We have no reasonable regulatory structure to build it. Wait, um, how many charging stations do we have? Well, we have a bunch, but we only have one that was built under that under the federal program. You, you know, they hurry one they, after after the article came out where there was none. You're, you're, they're like, yeah, wait I, a minute, wait a minute. We, 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 we got just, one. We got one. <laughs> I, I, I guess what I'm I saying don't know is, which is first. Oh, them being the none, and then having an article about how there were none, and then they announced that they had one, or just just let it go. Like, oh, they let, should have just let, let the it story go. Die. Because one is actually worse than none. Because if it's none, you can just say, well, you know, delay federal government, blah, blah, blah. But when it's, it's one, you're like, well, how come you don't have like five or eight or 15, you know? But if it's none, you're just like, okay, it's one of those things. I, I, you get my point, though. I mean, of course. You know, you can't, if your business model, and I say this too all the time to my customers, if your business model depends on federal spending of whatever variety, grants or tax credits or whatever, you don't have a business model. You know, because that that stuff, that stuff is never gonna be enough to save you. Ask the offshore yeah. wind guys now. Right? Well, you know, we we did our prediction episode last week, and I think I omitted a, a prediction. Uh let's do it anyway. Is this the year the Green New Deal dies? Can I have a definition for that? Well, uh, let, let me be specific. Is this the year where um, it becomes clear that all of this is not working and the sentiment uh, begins to move in the opposite direction and we actually begin to start pick chipping away at this? Or are we still going to have to like continue to, you know, like we were talking about how they just, they, they're relentless. Like, is, is there a tipping point on all of this? next year next year next year um, next. so yeah. trump wins we get a you know decent margins in the house well, yeah the great thing is it doesn't matter if trump wins or loses it's going to be next year because next year we're going to have a big tax bill and um somebody you know somebody's going to have to be to pay for yeah and that, and that somebody's going to wind up being some chunk of the yeah. place so you tonight and you know what happens what happens if the Chinese invade Taiwan? You know, are we going to buy any more Chinese batteries? I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a good point. But I, I would say rhetorically, they're, yeah. you know, they're, yeah. on, they're, they're losing for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, the gas stove thing is, you know, the, the full retreat from the gas gasification of every, uh, the electrification of appliances. And, 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 you know, truthfully, there were a million electric, going to be about slightly more than a million electric vehicles sold in 2023 in the United States. That's probably a top end number for a couple of years. 
you know, there's no way you're going to get on a trajectory to sell, you know, um, 12 million cars like like they think in 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 now three years, right? By 2027, that's not going to happen. Yeah, the GM. I saw. I had this. Uh, I saw this. I didn't include in the notes, but GM sold half the projected EVs that they were going to sell. A full fifty yeah. percent, and most of them were those little bolts and bolts that they're actually that they're actually taking off the market. Yeah, I mean, look, you oh. go you go around at Ford, Stellantis, Toyota. Um, you know, they're all finding their voice on this. The dealers are starting to he, starting to reach into this conversation, right? They had the the, the letter from three thousand dealers. Um, it, it the the trajectory is not very good here. It's very bad, and and it's not going to get better anytime soon. You know, there's no there's nothing out there that's going to be like change going to change the world, right? Yeah. Um, if anything, if you think about it, what we saw in the last quarter of, of 2023, we saw gas prices going down because of American production. That 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 alone is enough to doom half of this stuff. Yeah. Well. Thank you for that. There's a good segue to this next article, which is U.S. was top LNG exporter in 2023 as uh, uh, U.S. uh, as we hit record levels, leapfrogging Qatar and Australia to become the largest exporter. Um, Qatar was the largest in 2022, which we mentioned last year and the second largest that year, U.S. government, Australia, the second largest U.S. production um, rose 14.7% to 88.9 million metric tons, driven largely by the return to full production of the Freeport plant. Um, shipments compared to 775 in 2022. So we are indeed now the largest exporter of LNG. And those freedom molecules are flowing, baby. Well, you know, yeah, the, the, the funny thing there is, is that we're not even, um, we have like three or four big projects that are waiting to be either licensed by DOE or permitted by FERC. You know, we're, we're we could export twice as much. Yeah, uh, well. Know, they, 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 we, the only thing that we are bounded by is, is, the, is the government bureaucracy. Interestingly enough on that issue, um, uh, rumors are flying around DC that our good friend uh, John Podesta is uh, huddling with uh, the climate czar, uh, and and the, the, there's talk about them trying to pressure FERC and DOE to put a moratorium on, on all of these approvals for the year. Uh, yeah, you know I've heard that rumor. I think it's wrong, but not by much. Yeah. I, I I believe it to be. Uh, it's probably more of a desire. I, I believe it to be grounded in rationality. How about if I say it that way? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. It, it, can you imagine it? Yeah, you can imagine it. Yeah. Um, okay, so I have one more for you, and then a little bit of news. I'm sure you probably heard it as well. Uh, and this is uh, from the Hill. So you you contrast uh, U.S. production and U.S. energy prices going down, et cetera. German carbon emissions hit seven-decade low. So congratulations, Germany. Your emissions have hit a seven-year low. 
dot 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 amid economic slowdown yeah. so this is german carbon emissions fell to a seven decade low um retired their last nuclear plants in 2023 phase out of nuclear etc cetera, etc cetera. and the um uh the report also determined that the majority of the cuts are not the result of long-term renewable energy build-out that will result in permit reductions. Uh, about 50% are from short-term impacts like reduced electricity prices due to an, uh, economic, the burn, the economic an, an economic slowdown, but also due to the weakening of Germany's industrial base. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. To which a uh, gentleman in uh, the uh, nonprofit organization Agora Energy Vendi said, "Moving these emissions abroad will not result in any net benefit to the climate." So, congratulations, Germany! You have reduced your emissions, and you are um, basically subjecting your subjects to potentially uh, fewer jobs and fewer economic opportunities and fewer products being produced in Germany. So good yeah. work. Yeah. It, it, you know, the, 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 the whole thing is kind of, I, I'm looking forward. I'm not going to live to see it. I hope my children do. I'm looking forward to seeing the history of this thing written, right? Because it, it, the whole story is this the entire theory rests on the idea that people are going to pay more for energy willingly. And that's just not how it works. But, that's right. And, and the other part that it rests on is people are going to willingly use less energy. And that's not how it works either. The history of mankind has been a scramble for two things, more energy and more food. Yeah. And, it, and, and more time as a result of, yeah. Of the, the energy that you harness. Yeah. I mean, so there's, it's, if there's no such thing as a rich country that isn't, isn't energy abundant. It's just not. And I, I'm just like, it, it, whatever. Sorry. Sometimes I, I stand back and I think about this. And I'm like, how do you guys, do you guys ever think about your underlying assumptions about the world? Because they're wrong. They're all terribly wrong. Well, and it also gives me hope that, you know, our efforts as frustrating as they can be, because we kind of see that path so clearly. Um, the long arc here is that we're going to win, right? So, of course, of course, what, there, there are no options, right? It, it, I mean, here's how the story ends. We either, we either get ourselves right or keep ourselves right. Or, you know, the, the Canadians invade one day and take us over because we're too weak <laughs> to defend ourselves and they get us right. I, I've said this before, right? America is going to be reformed, not speaking about energy, speaking about other things. I said, America is going to get reformed. No question about that. Only question is who's going to do it? Is it going to be the Americans? Is it going to be somebody else? Yeah. In, in this case, energy stuff, you know, we're right. And you know, the great thing is, Every survey that you read tells you that we're right, that people understand what we just said, right? That energy is a good thing, not a bad thing. Abundant energy is a very good thing. And, um, and affordable, reliable energy is the best thing. And, you know, as soon as I start seeing survey results that they, where people tell me something else, that's when I'll get worried. But that's, those are the survey results we see, right? Yeah. 
Well, as I stated in our pipeline, because I threw this article in our daily news clips, by the way, if you uh, want to get those, go to our website, AmericanEnergyAlliance.org, and sign up for them. But green energy policies, policies work, only work when the economy tanks. Like that's that's a feature of these programs, right? Germany, not, Germany. As you said, it's not a bug. As you like to say, it's a feature, not a bug. Feature, not a bug. That's right. You get what you get. You, you get what you intend to get. It's not accidental. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's all I have. I should have did this in the announcements. Probably more of an announcement. But we'd like to wish Tim Puko well. Apparently, he announced on X that he took the post buyout. Yeah. Yeah, he did. Tim's an excellent reporter. Tim's not going to have any trouble finding something else, doing something else, being valuable somewhere else. Um, Bob, I'm with you. Um, you know, I'm I'm concerned about him, but I'm not not really well, concerned. I, I actually want to. I hope that he'll take us to lunch so he can tell us what a train wreck, <laughs> off the record, what a train wreck the the Bezos post is lately. Because uh, uh, everything I've heard is is that everyone's gladly, happily taking the buyout. So. Yeah, they had they they needed they needed I think thirty percent of the staff to take buyout, sixty percent of the staff volunteered to take the buyout. <laughs> so they had to tell a bunch of people you can't take the buyout. Too I'm bad like, you still have to work here. <laughs> I'm like, what a what a what a disaster! What's with you guys? Yeah, All right, I'm done. You got anything? I have nothing else. All right. Well, if uh, if this works, we'll try a clip. As you look back and reflect on 2023. What sort of, of memories, highlights stand out for you? Well, one of the big highlights stands out for me is my dad used to have an expression. He'd say, Joey, your job's about a lot more than the paycheck, but your dignity is about respect. So many people through the Midwest and the, and the center of the country, their, their factories were shipped overseas the last couple of times out, and, and they were losing hope and faith. So we brought a lot of jobs back to the United States. People are in a position to be able to make a living now. And uh, they've created a lot of jobs, over 14 million. And uh, I guess when I'm, I, I just feel good that the American people got up. They've been through a rough time with pandemic, but now we're coming back. What an inspirational New Year's message from the president of the United States. He's a, he's a bit of a train wreck of a human being, isn't he? Yeah, just the, the image is classic because he's on the, uh, the big, the big screen in Times Square, and Doctor Jill is looking at him like, "Wrap it up, Jill. Wrap it up. Wrap it up, big man." All right, guys, that is a wrap on our end as well. Have a great week. We'll be back next week with another stellar episode. Right. Oh wait, don't forget to subscribe. Rate, review, and subscribe. Right, review, and subscribe to the Unregulated Podcast. Take care, everybody. Namaste. 